Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. It's hard to imagine a world where we leave future generations with fewer rights and freedoms. Since the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills aimed at blocking people from getting the essential sexual and reproductive care they need, including abortion. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves access to care. And with supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The outgoing president made history today by becoming the first ever president of the United States to be impeached twice, let alone in one term. He now owns half of all the impeachments in history in the United States. Donald Trump was impeached by 222 Democrats and 10 Republicans for inciting an insurrection on the very building in which they govern, the United States Capitol, one week ago. I can't believe it's already been a week when you said that. Um, wow. Ellie Reeve was out there at the insurrection covering it for CNN, which didn't make her the most popular person in town. It's dusk, everyone's walking home, the terrace has been cleared, and this woman with a bullhorn is, like, telling us how we should be ashamed and stuff. And she does manage to get a bunch of people to circle around us. Um, And we got cleared by our bosses to go home and start editing, and as we're walking down Pennsylvania Avenue... With our backs turned, this man threw a glass bottle at us. Oh, no. Yeah, and it shattered right at my heels. Like, I felt the force, and, like, the pieces hit the back of my jeans. Um, yeah. We've looked at this from a bunch of angles this week and last week, but we haven't yet tried to explain who was out there, and we're hoping you can help with that today. But first, maybe tell me what your expectations were heading into Washington last Wednesday. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. Ahead of it, I just called as many Trump supporters as I could to see if they were going or gauge interest. And everyone either said they were going or they wanted to go. So I was following one group that was really into Q. And I was following another guy who warned me that it was dangerous. There would be thousands of armed men He was like, you live in a world of illusions where you think the government and police can protect you, but they can't. And this guy is prone to big talk, so I wasn't sure if that was true. But that was an inkling that some people were thinking about storming the Capitol. How quickly did you realize that that was going to be the reality on Wednesday? I wasn't there the moment they pushed through the barriers. They started storming the Capitol about just a few minutes after Trump started speaking. And we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. 
So we were still there getting footage of people reacting to Trump in the audience near the Washington Monument. And then we got word that people were trying to get into the Capitol, so we just like raced down Pennsylvania Avenue to get there. However, I did see how once the crowd sees that this is going down, it becomes a mob. It stops being just people hanging out and becomes a mob. And this like focus and drive towards getting to this one spot is just unstoppable. This guy started breaking in with a, with a cane. Obviously, there's a power struggle. There's the peaceful guys that were like, no, no, we don't want to do that. Then there was that guy. You know, he just said, well, oh, well, I'm breaking it in. And so that's what I witnessed. It's just like regular people abandoning their sense of personal responsibility and ethics to participate in this frenzy. What are we supposed to do? Okay? The Supreme Court's not helping us. No one's helping us. Only us can help us. Only we can do it. Let's go. Fuck this shit. We tell you the news. You back the fuck off. You back off. One of the first people I encountered was this large man who had been maced and was telling other men what had happened. So I just went up to him and I'm like, hey, tell me. Tell me what's going on. And he described uh, how they'd been at the barricades and they were pushing against him and the police pushed back. And we rushed him. We charged him. We got all the way to the steps. They made a line. So we stood there and we tried to push them back a little bit until finally they started getting rough with us. So we tried to push them back. So that's what we did. We pushed them back. We tried to get up the steps. They wouldn't let us up. So then they started pepper spraying and macing everybody. So he's like, and you do what you do. If someone maces you, you fight back. And then described pushing into the Capitol. He was very, very angry, very, very heated. Just saying, we have no choice. Um, from there, we're like, okay, we got to get closer, closer, closer. So we just started weaving over shrubbery and through the yard in front of the Capitol um, until we got to a wall that was near some stairs where people were climbing to go into the Capitol. Was everyone trying to get in that you encountered, or were there people happy to just hang out in the shrubbery? Again, it's this mob mindset. Once they were close, they all wanted to get in. And I'm talking like regular people, like soccer mom-looking people, soccer grandma-looking people. Once they got to that wall, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? They all started pushing, 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 trying to get through. You know, if we tried to walk past them, they would get upset like we were cutting them in line to get up the stairs. And I had to be like, look, look, we're we're not trying to get in front of you. We're just going over there. We're getting out of your way. So we were at this stone wall. My colleagues, Sam and Deb, were standing on it filming. And this woman was getting in line to, like, push over and climb over it. And I was asking her some questions. She was, you know, friendly enough. And I was like, why are you storming the Capitol? And then she kind of turned and she got really mad at me and said it was a media narrative and that they weren't storming the Capitol. They were just making their voices heard. And then she keeps climbing over a wall. So you've got your soccer moms and your soccer grandmoms. You've got your QAnon types. But as we know now, there were people out there who were much more serious, people who were there to fight. There were definitely people in military gear I don't know if they were actually in the military, but you see those guys a lot. You know, they've got the camo and the vests and with all the pockets. And 
I saw a very small number of people making references to the alt-right or online racism. There was a sign for Kekistan, which is a reference to 4chan. Um, There's the Camp Auschwitz shirt. I didn't see him in person. But I think those guys were a very small number of the crowd. More militia people and then more, I'd say the majority, just hardcore Trump supporters. So on the upper terrace, you know, we climbed around and got up there. You know, I talked to this guy. He looked like just a country club kind of guy, just an older man. And I was like, do you think you're the mainstream of the Republican Party? And he's like, well, yeah, I've been a Republican for years. I'm just a little bit disappointed in Republicans lately. But I, I think that's really important to understand is that you can't dismiss all these people as white supremacists. It's actually worse because white supremacy is, it has a limited appeal. You know, there is so much culture, books, movies, TV shows about beating Nazis. Like most people do not want to be Nazis. And if you ask them, they denounce racism. Maybe they have some bigotry, some biases against people of color, but they don't identify as Nazis or as racist the way the alt-right did. But this is much broader. QAnon, the bad guy is not people of color, it's pedophiles. Everyone can get behind that in theory. Right. So like stop the steal. These people think that they're patriots saving America. So it, it means that there are greater numbers of followers. And therefore, if there are some of them, a tiny percentage who want to do violence, that small percentage is going to represent a much larger number than it would of the Nazis. But everyone in the mob seems to see past the white supremacists, even if they're not white supremacists. Like if I strongly objected to to white supremacy and even ideas more dangerous than that. I I wouldn't want to get caught dead in a mob where there were white supremacists. And maybe, you know, you didn't see the sweatshirt that said Camp Auschwitz, but you definitely saw Confederate flags everywhere, right? It seems like they were either okay with being aligned with white supremacists or totally ignorant about it or willing to look past all of it for this greater cause of uh, a coup. No, they very much truly believe that they were doing something good for the country, that they are stopping an immoral predatory elite from perverting the values of the United States. You know, so again, that with that first guy I saw, I was like, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah. We're losing our freedoms. What do you mean, what's the point? Just as most of America is shocked at how These people are not in our reality, that they don't think coronavirus is a threat at all, that they don't accept Joe Biden as the lawfully elected president of the United States. It's the reverse for them. They are shocked and appalled that the rest of us don't understand what they know to be true. There was no doubt. They had no doubts. No one I talked to had doubts. Do do they feel like they won? Or lost. That too, I think, really depends on the group. Some pe- so the Q people I've been following say that Trump still has a plan. I've seen some express a little doubt, like, is there really going to be an inauguration? And then others will push back, like, no, 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 don't worry, like, there's still a plan. Um, among the more militant kind of neo-fascist types, this is a galvanizing moment 
you know, that they, this was a huge, this was a tremendous show of force. And, you know, as people who, how can I put this? They just, it was a moment that showed their strength. And so it's something that they're proud of. I don't know if that's going to turn into anything down the road, but again, no one that I've been tracking seems ashamed. Quick break, and then we'll try and figure out how prepared Washington, D.C. and the rest of the country are for another one of these. Portrait Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Support for this podcast comes from Planned Parenthood. Your body is your own. That's why Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Today, lawmakers who oppose abortion are challenging Planned Parenthood. Affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. Planned Parenthood believes that health care is a basic human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies. They also work tirelessly to oppose the onslaught of new policies aimed at interfering with personal decisions best left to patients and their doctors. They won't give up and they won't back down. You can join Planned Parenthood in the fight to help make sure that the next generation can decide their own futures. The organization needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, they can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit plannedparenthood.org future to learn more and support their cause. I'm Dan Lamoff. I'm a national security reporter. I usually cover the Pentagon for the Washington Post. But lately you've been covering something else? Well, lately it's starting to stretch beyond just the Pentagon. Yeah, yeah. So, Dan, we spoke last week about national security in the wake of the insurrection at the Capitol, which is now exactly one week past, and we are one week from... President Biden's inauguration. How are D.C. and the country at large preparing for what could be more rioting from these MAGA mobs? I think last week certainly served as a wake-up call. Uh, you know, we, we've reported at nauseum the, the problems ahead of time in terms of who knew what and you know, whether there was sufficient planning and whether or not there was sufficient National Guard in place and once you don't have those things in place, sort of the limited options they had left in that, you know, I think especially in that hour or three of truth in the Capitol. Um, now I think we shift to the other side, which is how do you prepare for the inauguration, certainly, but but also 
any date or problem that may arise before, during, and after. Uh, I think the the concern, you know, remains throughout. I think this weekend is a potential point of concern for some some officials. And I don't think this ends with the inauguration either. I think this is something that's going to be a thing people need to watch into February for sure. Well, let's talk about all three, before, during, and after. Starting with before, what might happen between today, Wednesday, January 13th, and Inauguration Day, Wednesday, January 20th? I, I think in terms of the threats uh, that, that, that officials are concerned about and talking about is state capitals. I, I think in, in general, there's been numerous threats reported that, you know, marches, people trying to break into Capitol buildings. All right, uh, the FBI is uh, passing along what it calls credible warnings of a nationwide armed uh, protest and attacks scheduled in every uh, major city uh, across the country, in all 50 states, all the capitals. So I, I think there's a ongoing discussion and, and it continues to, to evolve in terms of when I'm in a state capital where there have been concerns this year, Michigan has seen problems. Washington state has seen problems. Oregon has seen problems. There is a desire to make sure that those cities and those capitals specifically are protected. Uh, that that would take state police. Uh, and the governors in each of those states have their own National Guard. Uh, and they they serve as the governors serve as the commanders of those National Guard. So uh, they have the ability to activate, mobilize. There's a general officer. Uh, in charge of the National Guard in each, in each of those places. But the governor is the one that says, hey, we need to get moving on this. We need to make sure our buildings are protected. So I think you're going to see entirely likely to see activations in coming days. Um, some of those National Guard members are going to be heading to D.C. Uh, I was speaking yesterday with the Minnesota National Guard. They specifically had 130 guardsmen heading into this much larger effort in D.C., but I think in places like Michigan, where you've already had violence in the Capitol, uh, they're going to have to watch their own backyard, too. Well, let's talk a bit more about D.C. and what might happen on Inauguration Day and how that might affect what's happening across the 50 states. In D.C., as of Wednesday morning, Acting Police Chief Conti has announced that the plan in D.C. will include somewhere upwards uh, beyond 20,000 uh, members of the National Guard uh, that will be here uh, in the footprint of the District of Columbia. Uh, what response? That's a revision upward of the plan the Pentagon announced on Monday morning, which said that they were authorizing up to 15,000. Discussion sounds like it could go beyond the 20,000 as well. They are managing a request that would come up from Capitol Police, Metropolitan Police, other agencies that want to make sure that they are protected, that their buildings are protected, that the, you know, the entire area, that they are able to act quickly, uh, that they have enough manpower so that nobody is overwhelmed. And those requests will go up, and then they're going to have to be balanced against not only the threat in D.C., but if you're requesting other states to send their National Guard uh, and those other states also have threats in their own capital. The desire to make sure everybody has what they need it becomes important. It sounds like we're likely to see more National Guardsmen and security forces around the capital for the inauguration than people. I, I think that's actually entirely likely based on the flip side of this discussion, which is that people are being told to stay home. Our goals right now uh, are to encourage Americans to participate virtually 
uh, and to protect the District of Columbia from a repeat of the violent insurrection experienced at the Capitol and its grounds on January the 6th. Uh, this is not going to be a normal inauguration, both for the sake of COVID, but now that you, you have the security threats, there just won't be the crowds allowed that, that we've seen in years past. Um, I, I think one point that is worth making, even in a normal year, uh, the inauguration is a massive undertaking for security conversations alone. During the Trump inauguration four years ago, there were about 8,000 National Guardsmen in the city for that. So we're up to double, pushing on triple what, what we saw four years ago. I think the most common job for these Guardsmen are, are going to be uh, manning a massive security perimeter around everything that they're trying to keep safe. Uh, and at this point, that looks like it's going to be blocks and blocks in downtown D.C. And for another thing that's receiving a lot of scrutiny is that there may have been sympathizers amongst the Capitol Police Force and other security forces who were there that day on January 6th at the Capitol. Is this a concern going forward into what might be more riots, more mobs before inauguration, on inauguration, after inauguration, that that people in the National Guard, people in our own police forces might have sympathetic views towards these mobs and even might help these mobs? Yeah, I think I think the concern is ongoing. And I think it's hard for the government to get its arms around what the sum total of that threat is or is not. Uh, on one hand, you need to be aware of it. You need to make sure that you're doing everything you can to root out any extremist tendencies in your force. Uh, on the other hand, they now need tens of thousands of security forces in D.C. immediately. What do you do to make sure that that force that you need is actually functioning? You know, par paralysis is a concern if you go too far in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, there is something concrete that can be done here. It, it isn't easy to, you know, monitor soccer moms who maybe went a little too far on January 6th, but there were Proud Boys out there there was QAnon out there. There are these Boogaloo boys out there. Do you think what happened on Wednesday maybe changed the way this country thinks about domestic terrorism, about, about how, you know, white people might also be worth taking seriously when it comes to street violence and mobs and, and destruction of property and assaults against law enforcement officers? I would submit, uh, especially primarily through the lens of my normal job covering the military, that this was an ongoing discussion, but a discussion that frequently seemed academic to people who were overseeing it. It didn't seem like an immediate threat all the time to all of the people that mattered in the discussion. And I, and I think last week shows that they didn't necessarily have their arms wrapped around what can happen when not enough attention is paid ahead of time to a potential threat. The inauguration's one thing, and then you kind of go back to the ongoing problem after, which is that once, once you have a new administration, once life maybe goes back to some sense of normalcy, you know, where else does this pop up in coming weeks and months?
Dan Lamoth is a defense reporter at The Washington Post. I'm Sean Ramos for him. It's Today Explained.